Welcome to the Mindful Mediums Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, an evidential spirit medium and intuitive development mentor. I talk to the dead for a living and I help other people learn how to utilize their own gifts of spirit communication and trust more deeply in their intuition from a very grounded perspective. So if that's something you're into and you enjoy hearing about topics related to spirit communication, mediumship, psychism, tarot, the paranormal, all from a very grounded perspective, stay tuned for awesome guests, even some readings and discussion of all these different topics from a very grounded perspective. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, pop in your earbuds, get comfortable and get your water because it's about to get real here on the Mindful Mediums podcast. Just a quick trigger warning on this podcast, I'll be discussing themes of trauma, complex trauma, grief, cults, cult-like dynamics, religious trauma, all of the things. So if you find any of those topics triggering, then I would suggest holding off on listening to this episode and returning to it at another time. Welcome to another episode of the Mindful Mediums Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, and today we're going to be talking about a big, big topic that is all the rage in the spiritual community, and we're going to be diving into some concepts and buzzwords that you may have heard thrown around if you've been in any of these spaces uh, at any point in your journey. So we're going to be talking about personal development and self-improvement, and while that sounds great because we all want to be better people... When does that potentially move into a place of uh, can actually cause more problems than it actually solves? And this is a topic that I think needs to be kind of talked about because I'm a true believer in all things in moderation and giving yourself time to integrate new insights and experiences and revelations when it comes to introspective work. And What I see so often in a lot of these spiritual spaces is this emphasis on healing. Like we've got to be healed in order to heal others. And the truth is we have to remember, we have to go back to this buzzword of healer and remember that no one is ever fully healed. Like there's always going to be something that could have room for improvement within ourselves and within our lives. So we have to look at this desire to be healed. What is that really? And I saw a quote today on Instagram that really just struck a chord with me. So I'm just going to go ahead and read the quote to you directly because it's really good. Society's obsession with constant self-improvement has fooled us into thinking that healing means not getting triggered again or no longer being impacted by our painful past. But respectfully, as a trained trauma therapist, that is not healing. That is perfectionism disguised as healing. And it's a full carousel, so this is from Morgan Pommel's on Instagram and I will post this to my highlight reels on my stories on Instagram if you want to check out the entire thing or you can just search Morgan Pommels and wow just mic drop like that hit hard and basically it was a trauma therapist talking about how this idea of healing our triggers and someone who's healed doesn't get triggered you know that's that's not healing. 
that striving for that level of personal development, if you can even call it that at that point, is actually rooted in perfectionism. And we know that perfectionism is directly tied to purity culture. It's, it's tied to so many things. So when we realize that connection, how do, we, how do we navigate that? How do we deconstruct that aspect? I really want to dive into this concept because I do believe it's important to be introspective about your lived experience, to be reflective, right? To recognize your strengths, your weaknesses, so that yes, you, you can improve, but what are you improving for? Are you improving to be a better person in your relationships? Are you improving so you can be more productive for society? Because aha, right there, that's it. That's what we call like spiritual commodification and capitalism infiltrating spirituality, right? This comes into play when you see big corporations like Google or, um, you know, these really high-end corporations who are implementing all these sort of uh, pseudo-spiritual but secular practices into their into their businesses, right? They're giving their employees mindfulness breaks. They're giving them meditation breaks. They're sending them on these wellness retreats. They're sending them on personal development retreats. Are they doing that for the benefit of their employees? Or are they doing it because they know that by doing that, that's in turn going to make their employees more productive? It's a double-edged sword when you really think about it, right? So this is how the commodification starts to happen. And when I see that, I always have to kind of raise an eyebrow because this is how capitalism infiltrates spiritual spaces and spirituality, right? It no longer is about the introspection, the insight, the connection to everything, but it's about how can I become a more productive human, And not just productive in my ways in which I interact with like my relationships and my family, but in my workplace, how can I be more profitable? And that is how capitalism has like infiltrated this space so, so, so heavily. And I find it wild because as a, as a tarot reader, I actually do a lot of, um, I get hired for a lot of corporate events. So a lot of corporations will bring me in for like team building um, events or like celebrations for the company, etc. And I'll do readings. They'll hire me to do readings. And man, if I don't see this just playing out it's, it's really wild when you sit down with a lot of these people who are working in these spaces and the things that these companies, the links that these companies are going to. Um, and it's all under the guise of like well-being or employee well-being. And yes, it does have some benefits. I'm not negating that by any means, but I just think it is interesting how it, it, it's benefiting on both ends. But you could see how easily that could be manipulated as well. And that's what I, that's, that's the thing that I think is really fascinating when you look at it, right? So let's talk a little bit about this though. So if the, if the drive for, for healing our triggers and healing is to be a more perfect person and is really directly tied to perfectionism, how do we deconstruct that? 
that's a really good question. And I think we have to go to the source of where this desire to be perfect comes from. Is it because of the indoctrination of the religion that we were maybe raised up in or the household or the high control group that we were maybe a part of? Um, or is it just the influence of society with their obsession with perfection and purity? And I think once you understand that and you see it, you can't really unsee it, right? So coming back to this idea of self-development and personal development, I personally think that it is very important to have self-awareness, but I think you can reach a point where it can become an obsession when it comes to healing oneself. And we have to remember, number one, we'll never be healed. Number two, as someone who identifies as a healer, we are not healing anyone. What we are doing is holding space for others to connect in with that part of themselves that that needs healing. So that's not to say that I'm healing someone as a healer, as a medium, etc. Absolutely not. The person who's doing the healing is the person sitting in front of me. I'm not doing anything other than perhaps providing some tools and providing space for that to happen. And that's it. That's, that's all it is. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing any real work in that way for that person. I am just being a mirror or holding a container. Whereas those who work, like I said, in medicine or if they take, you know, like they're actually doing the, the actionable steps of healing someone. They are taking actionable intervention and doing it. So that's how I see healing. That brings me to the term of shadow work. We're going to talk about what exactly that word is because it's a buzzword you've probably heard thrown around in spiritual spaces a lot. So shadow work is a Jungian concept. So for those who aren't familiar with Carl Jung, he was a famous scholar and um, psychologist. The shadow is described by Carl Jung as the unconscious part of our character and our psyche. It includes the darker aspects of ourselves like selfishness, greed, and aggression. Young believed that to become whole, we must acknowledge and accept our shadow. This process of facing your dark side is known as shadow work. So shadow work was a uh, philosophical and psychological concept that was developed by Carl Jung in the 20th century. And its aim is to assimilate the parts of the self that a person considers undesirable to the rest of their personality. And in more recent years, it has become part of some spiritual traditions more or less the new age really embraces the concept of shadow work. Now, I think that self-reflection and introspection, like I've said before, are very helpful. They can be very important. And I think that we should love all parts of ourselves, working towards having self-love for the parts of ourselves that we don't necessarily like is really, really key. And it's one of the hardest things I think we'll ever work towards doing. So that's really where shadow work came from, right? It it really just was speaking to these aspects of the self that we just don't like about ourselves. And very often they become mirrored to us through our interactions with other people. This is why you'll hear a lot of people who will say that if something is triggering, triggering, um, that someone does to you from a perspective of, you know, that triggered me or they said 
X, Y, and Z, or they behaved in a certain way, it's kind of gotten twisted to the point where people will say, well, that means it's mirroring something within you that you don't like about yourself. And while I think that can be true sometimes, I don't think that's true all of the time because I do, just going to say it out loud, I do think some people are just downright nasty and they can be very, very mean. Um, We all have that in us, I think, to some degree. We have that ability or that capability to stoop to that level. But some people can be downright abusive. And so this is where you'll see these sort of psychological concepts sort of taken and twisted by manipulative people. They'll say, oh, well, I didn't do that. Like, like that wasn't my intention. That wasn't, you know, if they behave a certain way, they'll use it to manipulate people, especially vulnerable people who are on a personal development path or a spiritual path who are working towards healing themselves. And they'll actually use that type of language to like reflect and deflect back to the person and basically say to them, well, it's not me, it's you is basically what that's saying. If you say, well, to someone like you need to do your shadow work, you're obviously triggered by me to justify crap behavior so we have to look at it this is one of the ways that it could be really harmful this type of wording can be used to manipulate people who are in vulnerable spots and we see this a lot in narcissistic relationships we see this a lot in cult-like dynamics we see this a lot in the guru student dynamic that shows up all of the time so this is something to really be cognizant of right this is where i always tell people when you're integrating these concepts we have to be very mindful to what degree we are allowing them to sort of help us perceive and understand our experience because while yes like there are triggers we have to remember that we're not going to be able to always heal everything everything is we're not going to one day wake up and magically everything's going to be healed we're never going to have another trigger again because at that point you may just be a doormat and that's not helpful for anyone except if you're in a cult or a high control group that's what they want they want complacency they want compliance they want someone who's not going to fight back they want someone who's not going to act triggered quote unquote. So there is a balance to all of this. So when we talk about triggers, we have to look at the way that some of the psychology language has been manipulated and can be used by people to manipulate others. That's where the harm comes in. So I went off on a little tangent there, but I definitely want to dive in a little bit more about how how does shadow work come up? And the truth is what I see in a lot of spiritual spaces is I will see a lot of people intentionally sitting down to do shadow work. When I really truly think that you don't have to go digging for shadow work. You don't have to go and have some journal prompts or, you know, dive deep into the psyche to find shadow work. It can be helpful, but it's not always necessary. Uh, I'm a firm believer that things will present themselves to you when you have the capacity and the bandwidth to actually deal with them and explore them more fully. And this is why I always tell people you don't have to go digging for shadow work. It will present itself to you in the day to day. It will present itself to you when you're at the grocery store. It will present it to you itself to you when you are at work. That coworker says that thing or does that thing that drives you up a wall, right? That's a moment of reflection like, oh, why is that bothering me so much, right? There's an opportunity for shadow work. Shadow work can happen 
if you're applying mindfulness to your everyday life, you can find moments to examine the shadow pretty much throughout the day. And it doesn't have to be a big deep dive, etc. Now, if we want to do intentional shadow work, this is where it gets a little bit more tricky. And one of the reasons that I really wanted to talk about this is because right now on social media, we all have seen the blow up of this thing on TikTok, if you're on there, called TikTok Shop. And people promote products, etc. One of the products that I have seen promoted so much, it's, it's exhausting, is this shadow work journal. And I want to talk a little bit about this shadow work journal because I have heard from some people that they found it helpful, but almost every person I've spoken to or has given me feedback about this shadow work journal has something really awful to say, like it triggered them or it spiraled them in a way that they could not get out of and they didn't have the resources to help them out of it. It sent them into a mental tailspin. And this is why I say we must be careful when we start intentionally looking for things to heal because as I said before I truly believe things arise to the surface when we have the capacity and the bandwidth to deal with them organically it's when we start to seek these things out that we start playing with fire and that's what I've seen with these journals the shadow work journal specifically I have not read it full transparency I do not own it I will not and will not buy it but I want to just give you a little bit of background about the shadow work journal and this is one of the ways in which spiritual commodification and capitalism is infiltrating the spiritual space so first we have to look at number one when it comes to everything where does this come from who wrote it what are their credentials right? Are they, are they a psychologist? Do they have any uh, credentialing in counseling people, right? Because really when we talk about prompting someone to do something particularly that's going to involve diving deep into the shadow aspects of the psyche, I would think that you would want to touch base with the person and make sure that they're okay. That's just a trauma-informed approach. When you hand someone a journal like that and you just say, okay, have fun, and then you put a couple resources in the back, I don't really feel like that's doing your due diligence as an author, personally. That's just me. But what I will say is this person who wrote the Shadow Work journals from the same publishing company as the 369 journal, the Manifestation journal, the Lucky Girl journal, which we all know how I feel about Lucky Girl syndrome. What I want to say is that the author of this shadow work journal worked at TikTok, was like a marketing agent for TikTok or something. They worked at TikTok. Uh, They do have a degree in psychology. However, they are not credentialed as far as I know. The person who maybe wrote this journal was a little bit out of their scope. Just saying that. But you're going to see things like this all over social media. Does someone have to be licensed and credentialed to have the knowledge? No, absolutely not. I usually do encourage people, if you want to really do shadow work and you want to do reflective and introspective work, these are some things that we need to consider. Asking yourself, do you have a history of complex trauma or do you have a very traumatic history? Because if you do, uh, ultimately... Diving deep into the psyche is probably something that you shouldn't be doing alone. You should probably have a support system in place. And whether that's a therapist or 
um, someone who can hold the container for you and knows how to deal with complex trauma, doesn't have to be a therapist, but someone who has experience with these things, I think is very, very important because it's very easy to spiral, to go down rabbit holes in your mind and get stuck there and not know what to do. So I really am adamant about having a list of resources for anyone who works in a spiritual capacity and knowing your scope of what you're able to handle. And this goes for just everyday interactions. If you have a friend who's going through a really rough time and they really need someone there, you have to ask yourself, do I have the bandwidth to hold the container for this person today? And if you do, absolutely. If you don't and there's limitations, you have to be honest and put that out there and then perhaps point them in the direction of someone else who who does, right? And I think that that's really hard for a lot of us because it comes back to this people pleaser, this perfectionist that lies within us, right? And that's just another thing that we have to kind of break down and untangle within ourselves, really asking ourselves, what what can I handle today? And being honest and being okay if we can't handle everything. Now, am I saying you can't do shadow work on your own? Absolutely not. You totally can. But I think that there are limitations to what we can handle and manage on our own. And if we're embarking on that journey, we sure as hell better have a standby in place and and recognize that we've got to have a good support system. I don't recommend if someone's in active crisis or if they're healing from something very traumatic that they dive into a bunch of shadow work. And I've had this come up in my own therapy sessions with dealing with PTSD where my therapist has told me, don't try to open up too many tabs at once. When we do EMDR, we really have to be focused on a target. And yes, there's other triggers that pop up because everything is connected, but we can't be diving into each one at the same time because that would overwhelm the nervous system. It would overwhelm my mind and it has a potential for a bad outcome. We're not going to get anywhere. So this is why I say having someone to guide you through shadow work, if you have a complex history, is I think incredibly important. And I'm not going to negate the fact that I know how hard it is to get mental health services. I know how hard it is to find a good therapist. I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do. It's definitely something that takes time and work. And I think we really, this is part of I think the reflection process of self is giving ourselves that space and that grace to say, not today, not today. I'm not going to dive into this today because I don't have the bandwidth and I don't have the support system, right? So I think that we have to really put limitations on some of these things, safeguards, guardrails, whatever you want to call it for ourselves. And it's up to us individually to do that because nobody's out here going to do it for us it's truly every man for himself when it comes to these spaces and navigating them because you will find people who are preaching to high heaven the benefits of you know going on these meditative journeys or doing these shadow self explorations and these journal this journal work etc that you do not have to go digging for shadow work it is always right in front of you basic mindfulness will be enough to give you an opportunity to reflect <laughs> in your day-to-day -day life. That's it. Simple as that. We don't have to chase it down. Because once you start chasing it down, there's always going to be something else. There's always going to be something connected to something, some connected to something. And then you end up on what I like to call the hamster wheel of healing. 
where you feel like you're just in this constant state of perpetual personal development, that is not helpful for anyone. And then you start finding problems where there aren't any, or you start creating problems where there weren't any. And that is where it gets really, really tricky because then it starts affecting relationships. It starts affecting in negative ways. And I've heard this and I've seen this from friends of mine and their interactions and how that ended not well. So I feel like this is something that there is a such thing as too much personal development work. There is such a thing as too much healing. There is, you can become obsessed with healing. You can get on this hamster wheel that it can be really hard to get off of because it can, you're starting to really create these new neural pathways that are conditioned in this new way to look for these things. And it's not a fun way to live and it can lead you to some dark places if we're not careful. So yeah. So remember, I think, like I said, take away from this podcast, all things in moderation. Don't get on the hamster wheel of healing. Know that healing will unfold in its due time with intention and integration and give yourself space to heal, to go through things, to process things, to take steps back from doing development work, whatever that looks like. And I speak to this because as a medium, one of the things that we do preach is that, you know, personal development leads to good mediumship. And this is true because we've examined ourselves, we've examined our own psyche to a degree that we can meet communicators in a way that we can understand them on a much deeper level because we understand ourselves. So there's more things to be triggered. Does that mean we should always be digging it out? No, we don't have to go digging for trauma. But if you watch people and these teachers and a lot of people like that's what you're going to see them doing forcing people to find problems where there may not have been any. Digging for trauma. And it's not always helpful. But why does that happen? It comes back to commodification of spirituality. If you create a problem where there wasn't one and you provide a solution at a cost or a price, well, then you become the savior you become fruitfully, gainfully wealthy, right? And that's where it gets really icky. You can see this with things like the Nexium uh, personal development group. You can see how this absolutely played out and it's just absolutely detrimental. So, yeah. So, am I going to sit here and tell you to do your shadow work? No, I'm not. I'm the last person to tell someone to go do their shadow work or say that someone isn't doing enough shadow work or anything like that because ultimately we focus on ourselves, right? And how we affect those in the community and telling someone to do their shadow work or pointing out that someone hasn't done enough shadow work. Mind your business. Mind your business. That's their journey. They're doing their thing, right? Unless they're causing active harm, you know, Some people, like I said, are just not going to be good people. All you can do is work on yourself and see those good effects ripple outward. So, all things in moderation. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And of course, if you have questions or comments, I'm curious to know what your experience has been 
when it comes to shadow work and it comes to self-reflection and personal development and what your thoughts are. So feel free to engage, uh, shoot me an email, etc. But yeah, I want you to know exactly where you are right now is where you need to be. Don't strive to go any further, right? Ram Dass said it best, be here now. Be present with what is, be present with the experience. If it's uncomfortable, be with it, sit with it for a little bit. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, you're doing good. Bish, you're doing a good job. Bish, you're doing a good job. Yes, I did just sing to you. (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, I will talk to you soon. Stay grounded. And I'll see you on the flip side. Did I just say see you on the flip side? That is such a 90s term. You can tell that I've been watching too much 90s nostalgic TikTok. All right. Take care, everybody. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed this, make sure you check out all the other episodes. Make sure you're subscribed so you get the notifications whenever I post a new episode. I try to post these episodes weekly, but it doesn't always work out that way. So getting notification by subscribing is usually the best way to know when I've posted an episode. And of course, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find all of my contact details in the show notes. And I look forward to connecting with you in whatever ways our paths cross in the future. And of course, if you have suggestions for a topic or something you'd like me to discuss in the podcast, be sure to email me at mindfulmediumsamantha at gmail.com. Until next time.